You can take the drag queen out of New York, but you can't take the New York out of the drag queens. Tonight we look at Tu Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar, and the Gay Anarchist Yoga and Erotic Cooking Association. But because it's such a drag to watch movies by yourself, I'm joined by three of my favorite drag enthusiasts. First up, it's Amelia. Hello there, my drag persona is Rainbow Garland, and I am known for my gigantic and ridiculously oversized Technicolor dream coat. Next up, it's Mel. Hi, so I am Iron Maiden Texas, and my hair is the size of Texas, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> and last but never least, it's Ro. Hey, everybody, I'm Mr. Sister, and I have a glitter beard for every outfit. You <laughs> best believe. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm hashtag get NATO to Colorado, and my throat's a little hoarse tonight because it's been a rough few days. How's everyone doing? <laughs> oh, I'm doing so much better now that I've gotten to watch Tuong Fu. <laughs> <laughs> this really was a delightful movie. Yes. This is this is this is the gay feel good classic. Like, not gonna lie. We all needed this in our lives right now. Uh, and my notes, it says to say something happy, and I think that's probably the happiest I'm going to get. Uh, <laughs> Bless you, child. <laughs> well, it's time that we go over the movie, so if you haven't seen it yet for some reason, go watch it! Like, seriously. Uh, because we're about to spoil the whole she-bop. Um... <laughs> Too Wong Fu, thanks for everything, Julie Newmar, starts off with Patrick Swayze, Wesley Snipes, and John Leguizamo getting all dressed up for a drag pageant. And they work it, because the winner gets to go compete in another drag pageant in Hollywood, California. As a big shocker, Snipes and Swayze tie! But on the way out, they adopt John Leguizamo to go with them like drag fairy godmothers. Vita, Noxima, and Chi-Chi all head to Hollywood, which means one thing, road trip! Before they head out, though, they celebrate at a restaurant where Vita spies an autograph of Julie Newmar uh, with the titular, Tu Wong Fu, thanks for everything, Julie Newmar signed. And like any good queen, she snatches that shit off the wall and hides it in her purse. <laughs> she sounds like my aunt. Uh <laughs> <laughs> After choosing a car, they head out to Hollywood. After some small visionettes, the plot kicks in when they get pulled over in the middle of nowhere by the racist Sheriff Dullard. Sorry, and this Dullard. is after they decide that they don't need a map anymore. <laughs> after a very uh, heart-wrenching scene where um, Vita... I forgot I forgot Patrick Swayze's name in the movie for a second. Where Vita and friends drive past uh Vita's family home and see her mom. Um and her mom pretends yeah. that she didn't see them. Yeah, that was kind of Yeah, which which is what causes which is what causes Vita to tear up the map and just kind of be like, fuck it. <laughs> it's kind of a moment. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be in the minority. I don't actually think that scene is necessary. I think it uh, was because you have to explain where did, how did they get, they managed to not get lost on the way to getting to that town, which has a Welsh name and I cannot say it. You know, how did they manage to get there, but then get lost immediately afterward? And it, it serves its purpose of saying, well, this is why and how they got lost. 
Yeah, okay, and I think I, I think it was also necessary too to kind of set up why Vito was so uh, longing for that kind of maternal relationship that she ends up finding with Stalker Channing's character with Carol Ann. I think was her name. I'll give you that. Yeah. Back to the plot. After trying to take advantage of Vita, she pushes back literally, and they run and they run from the scene. Uh, sorry, and they run from the <laughs> um, scene. Yeah, and I think I think that was officer. a very well done moment, um, because this movie is overwhelmingly a comedy, you know, for the most part. Um, but I think how they get to the place where the cop is potentially killed um, is very. I think reflective of real life. Um, right. It kind of that moment, that moment kind of reminded me of, I don't know if anyone here has seen Queen and Slim, but um, Queen and Slim, I think came out a couple of years ago and it's a movie about this black couple that are on a date and they get pulled over and the cop starts harassing the guy and they scuffle and then the cop gets killed and they have to go on the run. Um, and I think, unfortunately, especially if you are, you know, a drag queen or a transgender, and especially on top of that, if you're, you know, POC, those kinds of interactions with police can escalate very quickly and the tension can, can come very quickly. Right. Um, we live in an age moments. where, yeah, we live in an age where, um, rates of violence against, especially BIPOC queer people. Um, are incredibly high. So it's nice to see that the police officer interaction wasn't, you know, played up for laughs. Yeah, I Segway. agree. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> after the car, unfortunately, shortly after the car dies, which leaves them stranded in our small town called Schneidersville, waiting for it to get fixed so they can make it to Hollywood in time for the pageant. More bad news, as it's going to take the weekend to get the part in to fix the car, so the three drag queens are stuck in a backwards little town with sexist men, repressed women, and no style. Oh, sounds <laughs> like a job for a group of three drag queens, if ever I heard one. <laughs> <laughs> and here they come to save the day. Slowly Quite but surely, literally. our heroines... <laughs> Slowly but surely, our heroines start bonding with the denizens of the town and confronting some of the sexism and bias of the men in the town while empowering the women. Remember, this is the future that liberals want. Makeovers and strawberry socials. <laughs> is this we the want, key agenda? We want small town life without any of the drawbacks of small town life, let's be honest. Yeah, I without make, the bigotry. I, I want a table so long that, like, not... <laughs> Half, like the entire town won't even cover half of it. That's all I want. We need a table long um, enough to double as a catwalk. Right. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> unfortunately, one woman, Carol Ann, isn't having the sunshine rainbows because of her controlling abusive husband, Virgil, which is dealt with one night when Vita steps in to her being assaulted and kicks his ass out. Assault your assaulters. You heard it here first, folks. We need more drag queens beating up as abusive assholes. Um, I I was a huge fan of that scene. It really warmed my heart, and I she did it with more. class. I wanted more. She did it with class. You know, you know the, like, <laughs> the the biker gang that helps um, take abuse care children. of abused yeah. children while they while they go to oh, court yep. and testify against their abusers. I need that, but 
with drag queens for set upon women, like yeah, I agree. Oh, I would love that. <laughs> Let's get this Meanwhile, started. Okay? Any buff drag queens out there that want to make this a thing, hit me up. <laughs> Sorry, NATO. <laughs> Meanwhile, Chi-Chi has a romance with a boy named Bobby Ray, which ends after she learns that another girl, Bobby Lee, has a thing for him. Uh, everything is sunshine and strawberries as Monday rolls around, only for Virgil to run into Sheriff Dullard and rat out our heroines to the vengeful cop. Dullard arrives in town just in time for the afternoon social and exposes our heroines for the drag queens they are. And the whole town is like, duh. <laughs> you think we didn't notice? <laughs> the whole notice? town is like, uh, at the very the town, least, Bobby's Spartacus is like, shit. uh, okay, bigot. <laughs> yeah, it was very much an I am Spartacus type of situation. Like, I am drag queen. No, I am drag queen. No, I am okay. drag queen. And we've got to talk about the little old lady. Queens. The little old lady was my favorite with her little. Nope, nothing this beautiful can be real. I adore her. <laughs> that little old lady had so, so much. much sass. And Panache, I wanted to give her so many hugs. What's that blood dance? That little chase scene where 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 we'll she's carrying around her, her little folder and Wesley Snipes is chasing her around. <laughs> that whole moment just made me laugh so hard. Speaking of bonding, after the social and bonding with each other as friends and sisters, Vita, Noxie, and Chi-Chi make their way to the pageant, where Chi-Chi, who started out the journey as a Latin boy in, dre- in a dress, finishes it being crowned queen by none other than Julie Numar. And that was, in a nutshell, to Wong Fu, thanks for everything, Julie Numar. I'm just gonna say, this movie was fun, and I want to give it up to Swayze, Snipes, and Leguizamo for how committed they were to their roles and how much fun they had with them. Uh, so, <laughs> I think <laughs> that is a majority opinion, unless I'm wrong. Uh, what y'all think of this film? I just, I just want to say really quickly that NATO invited us to interrupt him during the summary, <laughs> and we took that invitation quite seriously. <laughs> I, I'm so glad y'all are getting more comfortable with telling me to shut up. <laughs> oh, I've never had trouble telling you to shut Somebody up. Somebody has to do it. It's a... It, it, it's a it's a grueling job. Somebody has to do it. It's true. It's I, true. I think we all just it was so nice getting to have a fun movie that it, it it's got a few depressing real life moments, but for the most part, it's light and happy, and everything turns out okay in the end for everybody. And that's sometimes it's like you Dorian need Blues. <laughs> Not quite like Dorian Blues. <laughs> This, this movie is a gay feel-good piece if ever one was made. Like, three women who drift into a small town like gay fairy godmothers and just swish around and change everybody's lives for the better. Like, this, it's like, the, this is the gay agenda. <laughs> This is 
Let us make you fabulous. Shut up and let it happen. <laughs> I think exactly. Dorian Just... Blues was a very idealistic, like, kind of gay fairy tale. I feel like this was a gay fairy tale also, but in a much more realistic way. Like, yes, the ending, like, you know, everyone's happy. The entire town, like, is basically accepting of everyone. You've got somebody in an interracial relationship at the end of it. Um, but it's not like these things didn't come without, like, the struggle that is very realistic to, like, these experiences. The right. town didn't become less racist just with, like, a wand wave. No, the town became less racist because they were exposed to these two wonderful people of color that, you know, helped them see that maybe black and Latino people aren't so scary, you know? They're not chasing after you to to attack you. They're chasing after you to give you the picture of your husband you dropped. And, oh, look, you have this, like, love of movies in common. Right. Um, and the town doesn't become you know, less sexist just because Wesley Snipes happens to show up. The town becomes less sexist because somebody grabs the town literally by the nads and tells <laughs> them, this is the proper yeah. way to treat a lady. <laughs> right. Exactly. Literally. You know... Like sometimes, sometimes you see a problem and you have to, and you have to face it head on and you have to actually tackle the problem and be vocal about it in order to enact any real change. And I think, I think that's one of the things that I really dearly loved about this movie is that even for being 1995, right? Because I think when we talk about kind of older movies from like the nineties and the two thousands, sometimes they can kind of toe the that centrist line, you know, like, oh, we don't want to be too offensive. This right. movie is like, no, straight up. Like, sometimes you have to grab people by the balls and, like, force them to see how to not be shitty people. Right. You know? Sometimes you just got to wedge yourself in there and be like, hey, I'm here, I'm queer, and, like, I'm also a really good person that's going to help you out when you need it. Like, right. you know? Um. Just out of curiosity, Nato, do you know how many queer people there were on the production team of this movie? So I know the producer was, um, and I know the that, writer was also gay, and the writer, um, yeah, and they did that make, and they did have a lot of input from actual drag queens uh, that for mannerisms a, and stuff. That makes a lot of sense because yeah, like the the main actors in this movie are all straight men. But you can really tell that this movie was tooled and centered around queer culture. Yeah, I agree. I think I even wrote that in my notes. Um, how some of the movies we've seen where it's a straight person, or some of the movies that even I've seen in my own, like, outside of the podcast, when you have a straight person playing a gay character, sometimes it can be really over the top. Um, and I think the characters in this movie though they were played by straight men and they were over the top in the sense that obviously yes they're drag queens and i think a lot of drag queens tend to be over the top just like as a personality like they weren't playing them like they've seemed very authentic the way that they were playing their characters right. you know and the movie um, and the dialogue and the references oh my god the references like this movie did successfully what Queer Duck thought it was doing successfully. I agree. Like, the nods to, like, old, old queer culture. Like, things that 
like drag queens and queer people coming up in the 80s and 90s knew and referenced like I Dream of Jeannie and Bewitched Mm -hmm. and like old Hollywood glamour. Like all that is represented in this movie and that is a lot of what like drag culture at the time was centered around. You know what I mean? Yeah. This movie was also... Oh, go ahead. (laughs) Like glitz and Hollywood glamour and this idealized like like life like they talk about Julie Newmar like she's statuesque you know what i mean mm-hmm. they talk about you know Dorothy Dandridge and you know <laughs> these really old hollywood movies they they go through in a scene Noxima Jackson and this little old lady sitting next to each other go through and list Dorothy Dandridge's entire catalog of movies. And if that is not queer culture personified, I don't know what is. (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. It's so true. Speaking of, like, queer culture, this movie was uh, apparently inspired by the anti-gay PSA called The Gay Agenda, uh, which warned of drag queens invading towns in the USA to recruit teens or something. Oh. So, in a way, this movie is, like, bathed in queer culture. Recruiting teens to be better human beings. <laughs> I actually Those have damn some, gays. I actually have some fun, like, behind-the-scenes stories for this one, which I think is, like, our first actual fun ones. Um, so, one of the stories goes that after Mitch Cohn, the producer, suggested it to Steven Spielberg, and Steven Spielberg liked the scripts, he thought that he didn't know if it was actually a funny script or not. So, uh, Steven Spielberg got Robin Williams to read the script and uh, convince him to to basically greenlight this film. Uh, Robin Williams was originally given the role of Vita, but said no to it because Robin Williams is way too hairy. Yeah. I Robin Williams is a, was a hairy guy. He was great in the bird cage. I, did love I don't Robin think Williams he was. was in this. Yeah. I, I actually shed a tear when I saw him go on the screen. I had a I moment like, too. I was like, yeah, oh my Robin, God, Robin Williams. Oh, Robin Williams. Oh my God. And they named his character John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt. <laughs> <laughs> and they introduced him to Noxima Jones. She said, his name is my name, too. And he said, do people always shout? Isn't that so annoying? <laughs> that was a precious you, little Easter so egg of a scene. But Patrick Swayze was, uh, Patrick Swayze was cast as Vita, and Swayze was not the production's first choice that is until Swayze convinced the director to come to New York got his own hair and makeup team to dress him as a woman and walked around New York in drag to prove to the director that he could pass bless yeah I believe it you know what that was dedication that was my initial impression so I actually had not seen this movie before uh, we watched it for the podcast. And so I know I messaged you and <laughs> you, Ro, and Nato about um, how we were playing it at Alamo, which is where I work. I work at the Alamo Draft House because I am a huge movie nerd um, <laughs> for our listeners. So you got um, to watch it on the big yeah. screen. Well, no, I didn't because I wasn't working and I was very upset about it. But 
when I, like, so when I first heard, like, looked this movie up on Google, when we I found out we were going to watch it, I didn't realize that that was Patrick Swayze, John Leguizamo, and Wesley Snipes. And then I saw the movie poster at work because we were playing it for a special brunch sewing. And I was, like, literally sitting there staring at the poster like, Patrick Swayze? Yeah. Is playing a drag queen? Like, 80s, 90s hunk Patrick Swayze is playing a drag queen. And I was very pleasantly surprised when I actually watched the movie to see how he portrayed Vita. Like, it was very believable. I'll say it once and I'll say it again. They like all three of our leads fully committed to this. They really and did. I am. I I can not like praise them enough for like their dedication. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, just you know, I I knew going once I saw the cast members, I was like, uh, I know these actors are straight. Let's see, and then I got to be pleasantly surprised. I was like, okay, they're actually. They're taking this seriously. Like, they're over the top, but they're over the top in the way I would expect a drag queen to be over the top. Not in a, ha, 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 straight, wink, nod, nod, you know, no homo. Look at me, I'm No, it was, like, very authentic. It was was 1,000% so authentic, you know? Um... Yeah, like I, if you, if I had no idea who those three guys were, I would have thought they were just like actual drag queens that got you know picked to play in these roles. Oh my god, who knew John Leguizamo had legs? <laughs> Actually, though, like let me tell you, he was working those short shorts. <laughs> Actually, everybody in this movie was working their costumes. The costume design in this movie was amazing. <laughs> Completely not related to the movie, but John Leguizamo went and watched a movie at Alamo, like, around when I first started working there, and he's a fucking sweetheart. Like, Mm. I didn't serve him. I bet. But, like, I was carrying a really heavy tray, and, like, he said something about, like, oh, your job seems so difficult, like, I hope you're having a good day or something, and I went on to his Mm. movie. So, bless, I love him. (laughs) What a a match. I want to point out one of my favorite actresses is actually in this Beth Grant. Um, you've probably seen her in stuff like Little Miss Sunshine and Donnie Darko. Uh, but she oh. played uh, Loretta. And I love her so much. Yeah, I felt the same way about Stockard Channing. I was really excited to see her in this. I love her. <laughs> uh, there, There's just so much about this movie to love. Um... Can we talk about the costumes? I want to talk about yes, the costumes. We, we can't do a drag episode and not talk about the costumes. We have to talk about the costumes. Can we talk about Can we talk about RuPaul as a drag queen named <laughs> Rachel Tensions coming from the ceiling in a dress made out of a Confederate flag? Mama. Uh, for those of... For those of you who don't know, RuPaul hosts RuPaul's Drag Race, which is a competition where people chain smoke the most cigarettes until they pass out. Now, okay, I wanna yes. I wanna talk a bit about this Confederate flag dress. So the idea behind the dress, and nowadays we look at a piece of media like this and we say, ooh, a Confederate flag, not kosher. Let's put that away. But back in the day, back in the day, let's look at this with a little bit of historical context. 
Um, the idea is, and tell me if this makes sense, that by putting the Confederate flag inside a bucket of glitter, making it into a dress, and putting it on a queer black person pretending to be a woman, that you're treating it as if it's, like, not worth anything. It's just another it's, piece it's of It's the fabric. joke that it is. It's, it's, it's the joke it's, that it is. It's very much treated as a joke. But when you see it come down, especially if you're, like, not paying attention, and this is, like, the very, very beginning of the movie. It's, like, it's a shock, let me tell you. <laughs> It is. I was not expecting that. I, I was not expecting that. I, I mean, they said Rachel a... tensions, and I was like, I must have misheard them. <laughs> and then she, I was like, Nope, nope, I heard them. But it did. It... But it did it's set up, funny. I think, a very important vein that goes throughout the movie, which is yeah. racial tensions. You have the super racist cop, but I think one thing that really stood out to me too was the. The tension kind of between Chi-Chi and Noxima, because, like, that um, black and Latino racial ch- tension is a thing that you hear about a lot within those two communities. Um, so I, I thought that it was, it was a really good setup for, like, that kind of main thread of the film. Right. It's a good, it's a good wink and nod and nose twitch. Yeah. Right. Speaking of bewitched. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I actually have a question for y'all. Because uh, there were obviously some flaws with our main characters, but for the most part, they reverse stonewalled this entire thing by going into this one town and fixing all of its problems. Um, One thing that I'm actually kind of... I've been thinking about way too much because I've had so much time. Um, do our heroes come off as too infallible? So I don't. I don't think they come off as infallible at all. Actually, I do. I do think they're kind of overpowered, if you know what I mean. <laughs> but <laughs> they have God code on, or God mode. They on. have God code, <laughs> but I don't think they're infallible. <laughs> See, this is what we needed, is we needed them to finish their pageant in Hollywood, then go back in time to Stonewall, the movie Stonewall, not the actual event Stonewall, and punch Kentucky Fried whatever in his face. I agree. (laughs) Noxima Jackson throws the first brick at Stonewall. Let's go. So there's a lot of vignettes like in the beginning of uh, just like them getting to know each other, them arguing and stuff. But the main bulk of this movie happens in a small town. Um, and a lot of you... the best com- costume changes happen in this small town, too. <laughs> yeah, actually, though. Um, I have to kind of like, I'm setting up this softball. Um, (laughs) Do you think that this small town is a good representation of small town when it comes to the representation of how they view uh, queer persons? I think it depends on the small town. (laughs) All right. If you don't mind, I'd kind of like to take this one. Just because uh, Nate and I are from... A town that has a population of 1,012, I think, at the last count. So we've 
we, we we've were, got a we little were, experience. We lost a few. <laughs> we were comparing town sizes beforehand. <laughs> I have a I have a population of uh, yearly of ten thousand where I live, which is also a very <laughs> very said, small town. <laughs> but uh, Snyderville and Mel which... said, "Haha, that's cute." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, because I think that it, in the end, they were a little too accepting. And I'm not saying that they would have gotten chased out of town with pitchforks. But the idea that not a single one of them said, well, you know, God doesn't think that that's OK. And I mean, with that accent and everything tells you that this is an <laughs> idealized version of small town life. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think they did that on purpose because they had to lean into the feel-good kind of comedy aspect of yeah. the movie. Yeah, which I and don't mind if they mind played it all. too close to real life... It'd be depressing. If they played it too close to real life, that might be too much of a reality shock. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm, I'm glad they did it how they did. Yeah, I just... Because, um, like, yeah, Mel and I grew up in a very small town, and it's probably smaller now than it was then. Uh, who knows? <laughs> Um, but I just kind of, from, from my experience coming out in that town, like I wasn't rejected, but I wasn't exactly accepted. Like some people were okay with it. Uh, one of my friends actually asked if I was attracted to him <laughs> or one of our mutual friends asked if I was attracted to him. And I'm like, no, you're not my type, but it's just like, I think that, there's moments like when Carol Ann says, I noticed that she had an Am's apple. Um, and so I, I kind of thought to myself, and I'm paraphrasing here, I kind of thought to myself, um, well, I got a, a girlfriend with an Am's apple. And that's a nice scene. That's something that I kind of wish I had gotten. Right. Like when I started to come out, when um, I when I was coming out, I was also living in a rather small town like I am now. Um, and the response from my parents was, you know, we love and accept you, but you may want to hold off, like letting this information be known within the church until things kind of settle down. Because, you know, at the time, um, the Episcopal church had just elected its very first openly gay bishop. Well, not just elected, but like recently, like within the past five or so years, and there was a big schism in the church and people were leaving and there was a lot of kind of how is this going to be going forward? And, you know, that whole kind of keep it on the down low. You don't know how people are going to react kind of thing is is very real. And it's a very real thing that happened in the town I was living in, you know, so that like I was in a. His- I was in a situation where I was sent to therapy because my dad thought I might be gay. Right. Um, to try and, like... Nowadays, he'll say that it was, you know, because I was depressed and I needed help, which was fair. But at the time, that wasn't the atmosphere that I was getting from it kind of thing. And that was, like, the... And, and luckily, like my therapist was the first person who was like, "You need to get the hell out of this place." Um, <laughs> but I, I do think that the overwhelming support that they get from the townspeople, 
did feel a little alien. But it's nice. Um, it's it is nice. It is very nice. But it's very nice. It's it's, it's a very alien, it's very kind of like, like fairy tale land ideal like best. There's possible only outcome. Nice. There's only one racist, sexist <laughs> abuser in this town, and he's friends with a cop. Yeah. Of course. He By is. the way, can we talk I mean, about how they gave? Life. Can we talk about how they gave the cop the gayest monologue in the entire movie? <laughs> I love that. Oh, so beautiful! I it, I thought it was great. Just because you know, you just know. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. You just know. You just know that, like deep down inside, he probably has gay feelings. He, he's you just know. he's working through something. Yeah, because he's just sitting at that bar, going, "Men kissing two men." Feeling With their each strong other. arms. One man touching chest hair. <laughs> In a movie full of like a bajillion great throwaway lines, it's just really funny to me that like the most striking, like serious moment is the cop sitting at the bar just waxing poetic about guys <laughs> getting it on. It's 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 very poetic. And it's one of my favorite moments of filmmaking from the 90s, to be honest. <laughs> I think one of my favorite moments in the film was when they're driving uh, and they're driving against a train. And you just see them like waving and then like everyone else like on the train, like dancing and singing along kind of thing. Mm-hmm. In the very beginning, this this movie has some really nice camera work to it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, some really great uh, following shots, some really well lit places. You know, like your obligatory like convertible glamour shots. You know, with the wind blowing in the hair and the the whole like driving with the the top down. With the scarf around the hair and the wind down, hair blowing everywhere, like it, it's serving a lot of like iconic moments. I agree. It's it's calling back to films in the past. You know, it's it's very traditional and very kind of new, and at the same time, you know. Yeah, I was a huge fan of how um some of the shots were framed too. Like I think. There's one close to the beginning when we're first introduced to Vita where it's like you've got this door frame and like kind of just slightly off of that like right third of the of the whole like you know um the whole frame and it just kind of frames Vita as she's like walking through the door and stuff like that. I I just thought there were a lot of really interesting shots like that. So I admittedly don't know a lot about drag culture cuz that was just something that wasn't really that introduced to me besides divine um but since y'all have more experience with it was it kind of weird that we only like saw them in drag for the pretty much the entire movie except for the beginning and the one shot where the wig gets pulled off of swayze i don't know i kind of like it to be honest, like, at the very beginning of the movie, she gets dragged up, she puts on the hair, and for the rest of the movie, they're just selling the illusion, you know? She's like, 
let me become fairy godmother. Yeah. I think it begs the question, too, are they actually, like, drag queens or are they more transgender? I think in the context of the 90s, like, we didn't really have this conversation in the mainstream around being trans or anything like that. So, you know. Um, I think the movie does a really good job in kind of capturing a specific moment in drag culture. You have to keep in mind, this is the mid-90s. And a lot of where we are in the conversation about gender is was not widely spoken of. Like, there was the idea that drag is just for men. Drag queens are men, or boys in drag, and drag kings are girls in drag. Whereas now, the kind of prevailing idea is that drag is for everybody regardless of gender, and is about self-expression through this specific medium. It's, it's, it's very, like, a snapshot of the past, you know? Mm-hmm. I agree. And to be fair, drag was progressing towards that more expressionistic look uh, decades before this movie came out. Because uh, you had Divine basically uh, blurring what what drag meant by not trying to look like Liza or Elizabeth Taylor or anyone like that. Um, and you right. also had like drag interacting with the club uh, club kids scene uh, that we kind of discussed a little bit in Party Monster. Callback. Right. Um, and that, I think all those styles kind of converged upon each other in the 2000s and kind of blossomed into what drag is today, because drag today is very referential to, you know, the kind of gender fuck kind of club kid scene, but also is very referential of, like, high fashion, Mm -hmm. whereas drag in the yesteryears was very much about selling that kind of hollywood starlet ideal you know and everything else was kind of you know the undercurrent of drag it's kind of amazing that like a major studio even uh, spielberg's amblin entertainment produced this film and it was distributed by universal studios not only that but this was the number one film at the box office for two weeks <laughs> um and what so that basically means this is one of the first big American queer success stories in cinema. And it just so happened to come out around the, the same time as Priscilla queen of the desert. So we got, I think made more money in the box office than right. uh, But we got like two really iconic drag movies from two different countries, like at once. Like, how amazing were the 90s? <laughs> I gotta look this up. Uh, Priscilla Box. Am I right? Where, did they, didn't they come out around the same time? I, I oh, want to tell no. you one came uh, I was wrong. Uh, so, uh, Tu Wong Fu actually made more box office than Priscilla. Priscilla came out in 94. Uh, tu Wong Fu came out in 95. Right. But they're like, they're soul sisters, you know? They're um, like Crocodile Dundee and Alex Jones. <laughs> they they go together like peanut butter and bananas. <laughs> and <laughs> to those of you who are listening, yes, 
we are going to do an episode on Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. No, we're not going to do it directly after we do our episode on Tu Wong Fu. Thanks for everything, Julie Nomar. But it's coming. <laughs> you gotta wait for the sequel to Pride. Pride 2 Electric Queerloo. <laughs> yes. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So we've talked a bit about this film, and so I think it's finally time that we ask that question that's on everyone's lips, even though it's fairly obvious to everyone else. Should you watch this movie? So we're going to go to recommendations. Amelia, would you recommend this movie? One million percent, yes. Watch it. It's such a good movie. <laughs> it, it really, like, I, I loved it dearly. Mel, tell me. Was uh, did this did this movie win the pageant or was it always just third place? I think it won the pageant. This was a lot of fun. I highly recommend it. It was a good movie. All right, and Ro, I'm so sorry for this. Was this movie the road trip of your dreams or just a drag? Uh... In lieu of making an actual recommendation, because obviously you should watch this movie. You don't need me to tell you that. I'm going to leave you before the closing with our good sister's uh, four steps to becoming a queen. Number one, may good thoughts be your sword and shield. Number two, ignore adversity. Number three, abide by the l- rules of love. And number four, larger than life is just the right size. You heard it here, queens. <clears throat> anyway, that's what we think. But if you've seen this movie or end up watching it later, we'd love to hear what your thoughts and your experience with it. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Gayekapod. That's G-A-Y-E-C-A-P-O-D. While you're there, why not suggest a movie for us to watch in the future? We're always looking for new suggestions. We can't wait to experience more movies with you. Well, that's it for us. I'm Nato Kitch reminding you, it's pride. Go get fucking tested. Bless. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> <laughs>